I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. I'm finger gunning you and I'm not supposed to. Yeah, you're not allowed. I'm not allowed. Finger guns only for the Los Gibbities crowd. The Los Gibbities. There's your TikTok reference. <laughs> if you are playing along on our new and improved bingo card, uh, you should mark off that square. Shout out to Haley for breaking in the card and pointing out a mistake that I then fixed. So thanks. <laughs> uh, if you are playing our bingo card or if you are doing any spooky adventuring like Emily Dallas, oh my friend of the show, shout out to both of you for tagging us on Instagram. Yeah, that was really cool. But Emma, where can they find this mythical bingo card or our socials? They can find them all at thispodcastdoesnexist.com. Dot com. And I have updated everything on the website too. So it should be nice and clean and you can find everything, including from your phone. You can find the bingo card from your phone. <laughs> Sorry about that. The little menu bar was not showing up. So oh. I fixed it. Cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Check that out. All right. So while we're on the topic of housekeeping, uh oh, I have something that I have to say. I would like to issue an official apology on the topic of American Thanksgiving. <laughs> I have been informed. <laughs> I have been informed that Thanksgiving is in fact the fourth Thursday of November. Apparently, I was stuck in the time period of 1938 to 1941, where it was the third. I believe it was Lyndon B. Johnson as president tried to change it, but apparently it didn't go over well. So. He was in it for the alliteration. I'm I'm sorry, Emma. That's okay. I didn't know either. (laughs) I would like to point out that nobody called me on it. Except for James. Yeah. I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for your stinking husband. My stinking cute husband. Ugh, gross. Um, Yeah, he texted the group chat and was like, so about the third Thursday in November. (laughs) Me and Emma Emma was like, wait a second. And I just all caps, what? (laughs) That's most of what the group chat is. It's not us making plans. It's not us being like, wow, I really appreciate you guys as my friends. It's, It's James, the husband correcting stuff we say on the podcast <laughs> and then a meme that you send that all like the two of us me and james will then like and then we won't talk yeah. about it again <laughs> and then sometimes i'll like it too because i want to be included <laughs> but anyway now that we've gotten that out of the way now you all know yep so nobody can feel dumb or yep. we all feel dumb because you didn't correct I, yeah. me either see but my thing is is that at least do it for the alliteration of it all like make it easy to the remember Thursday. yeah but like it, it i do i will say i do kind of feel validated in the fact that i didn't remember it because it isn't easy to remember that's fair i still am going to make fun of the fact that you didn't realize that it was a day of the week thing you yeah. thought it was like a date I just thing it like was a christmas date. yeah so I'm still going to hold did. that over you. That's totally fine and fair. But yeah, but now I, we're I even. Now we're both holding <laughs> Thanksgiving things over each other. We're gonna, the, the, this coming Thanksgiving, we're going to have to do something about the week before Thanksgiving is when we'll actually celebrate it. <laughs> and You'll just be holding the number 20 and I'll be holding like third. <laughs> and then... James will be in the middle just being like, I don't fourth. understand. <laughs> like, you guys are wrong. 
Um, <laughs> but yes. Okay. I went a little out of order. That was first order of housekeeping business. Second was please tag us in your spooky adventures. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout I, out to Dallas. That was honestly so cool. Like Dallas, I really, one, I want to know if you got there in your bus. Right. I, and two, like, what else did you do around the area? Like, was it just the hiking, like, spooky experience? Or were you, like, Well, and going I appreciate the photos, because then that implies that you, like, made it back to civilization and that's survived. That's fair. That's true. So that's good. Yes. Do it for the gram. Do it for the gram. Speaking of mm. spooky adventures, Emma, <gasps> did you know that there is a website called Haunted Rooms? Where you can search for haunted houses, hotels, and more. No, but I want to go. Unfortunately for you, Emma, the subject of today's episode is no longer standing, so we cannot add it to the road trip map. Oh, but oh. we could search uh, haunted hotels, and you could sleep there. I'm not going to, but you could. Okay. I'll be at an Airbnb down the road. Okay. Well, m- what makes you think that Airbnb isn't haunted? I mean... At least it's not on a list of the most haunted hotels in blank country. That That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And it'll be like a cute little hosty ghost. <laughs> you know? Welcome to my abode. A ghost host. I would really I would really like to make you some tea, but I can't. <laughs> I can show you where the things are. I can open the cupboard very loudly. I'm sorry. Would you like me to? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't have much control. Would you like the lights on or off? On or off? On or off? <laughs> Amazing. Um, so the topic of today's episode, actually, Emma, was listed in our original brainstorm list. And since I didn't recognize it, I'm assuming it came from you. I think I know what this might be. And I'm very excited. To prevent you from scaring me with the topic later on, I've decided to do it myself. If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. Welcome. This evening, Emma. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you the twisted tale of the, quote, most haunted house in England, the Borley Rectory. (laughs) I'm so excited. I now have to delete that tab on my Google. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow our 2022 energy is just like stealing each other's stuff. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited though. Uh... Uh, I'm so excited. Okay. I'm ready. All right. Sketchy beginnings. <laughs> I really just feel like an audiobook narrator with this. What I appreciate about all of your notes is that your sections have titles, whereas mine are literally just, and then. <laughs> no, see, I have to, like, chunk it up in my brain. Because totally the way fair. I, like, create a skeleton that's usually based on the Wikipedia page, I have to it's, do it that way. It's totally fair. Like, I, I technically do that, but then I just don't use my headings. I just replace them. Mm. No, see, I... Because it makes more sense for me to go through one source entirely instead of trying to be like, okay, let me read the, like, prehistory section of every one of these articles. Because my brain... We're so different. No. <laughs> we are so different. You're like, I can't move on to the second chapter until I get all the information about that. No. Yeah. I, I do the skeleton, usually based on Wikipedia. And then I go through and I read each article. Because then by the time I get to, like, the last two articles, usually I'm only pulling out, like, one or two fun facts. So it lets me, like, whip through those sources quicker. I work very differently. 
and that's okay. I mean, it's not, it's, it's obviously not an issue because it's how we work individually, but like, it's just interesting to think about how we end up with a very similar product and do it very different. It's like being in math class. Yeah. As long as you got the answer. Did you show your work? Did you show your work? Did you get the right answer? That's you, all that matters. Did you use the transitive property, Emma, or another math term? A logarithm? I was really good at those. I I don't know what the transitive property is either, so it's... It's the, like, if, the, if equation A equals this and... I'm going to stop because... If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Yeah, A A must equal C. Yeah, see, there you got it. I was there. I I have an image of my my math uh, teacher's whiteboard with that on it. We hate... Oh, gosh. All right, sorry. We're talking (sighs) about ghosts. Yeah, not math. Let's get to something... Not the ghosts of our past. Let's get to something fun. Yeah. Ghosts. The building in question was a large four-story home... Constructed in the Gothic Revival style in the county of Essex in England. Essex? The only way. (laughs) Right? Is that right? (laughs) Sorry to anyone from the UK. Sorry. Sorry. I'm going to need us to go through the analytics because I've been listening through my backlog of episodes. So I was all the way back at White Man History. Wow. During which we talk about how, based on the analytics, you can tell that there are people in the UK listening who are not people that you know. Yep. And I want to know if they're still there. They are. Great. Hi, friends. Hi, friends. How did you find us? Please write in. Um, Crypt King, were you doing some great networking Were plugs? you doing some promo? Because Shout out great. to the Crypt King. There's a band I found on TikTok that, like, they're going on tour in the UK, and they posted a really cute, like, hey, people, if you like our music, please, like, come see our shows, because then we can go to bigger venues or whatever. <laughs> so I sent it to the Crypt King, because I was like, hi, you're the only, like, music person that I know in the UK, so it's now on you. You have to go see them, because I can't go see them. Is he going to? I think he said he could see them at one of their gigs in the future. That'd so I was cool. like, great. Great. Thanks. Good job. You did it well. Thanks for being my stand-in. That's so funny. Anyway. Essex. Essex. Borley itself is a tiny rural community of three hamlets in Essex <laughs> that had 110 inhabitants at the last census per a piece published in 2021. Oh, okay. So that's pretty accurate, I'm sure. Sure. Unless they were really bored during the pandemic. (laughs) They had a lot of babies. They were very, very productive. (laughs) Very sensible. The rectory was constructed on Hall Road near Borley Church by the Reverend Henry Dawson Ellis Bull in 1862. I love that British people have, like, 15 different names. Oh, just wait. There's an even better one later on. I'm so excited. The house replaced an earlier rectory on the site that had been destroyed by fire in 1841. One of the wings of the house eventually received an addition to make room for Bull's rapidly growing family that eventually included 14 children. Holy you were busy speaking of being productive seriously at no point in its history did borley house have electricity or running water 
Oof. You had to turn like a wheel in the wall to pump usable water. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at the time it was like normal, but. Yeah, it's the 1800s. Yeah, you've got some real strong biceps then. Everybody, the baby has some real strong biceps. (laughs) No legs. Chubby legs. (laughs) Chubby legs. No leg day. leg day. (laughs) Anthony Mackie would be mad. (laughs) A tree with no trunk. (laughs) In addition to being built on the site of a previous fire, the home already had some historically bad vibes. TM. TM, TM, TM. (laughs) According to a regional legend, a Benedictine monastery was supposedly built in the area around 1362. The legend claims that a monk from the monastery was carrying on an illicit Mm. and explicit affair with a nun from a nearby convent. A nun! After their affair was discovered, the monk was executed. And the nun was reportedly bricked up alive in the convent walls. Holy crap. Okay. It's like the least Christian thing you could do. This leads us to our next chapter. The hauntings. While reports of unexplained footsteps were reported in the house by locals and sightings of ghostly figures by school children began as early as 1863, I wrote 1963 in my notes, Uh, the year after construction, the paranormal instances truly began in earnest on July 28, 1900. Four of Reverend Bull's daughters saw what they thought was the ghost of a nun at twilight Mm -hmm. about 40 yards or 37 meters from the house. When they tried to talk to it, it disappeared as they got closer. The ghostly nun continued to appear to people for many years to come. Those who spotted her claimed she was roaming the grounds, searching for her lost monk in the hopes that they could run away together as they had once planned. The local organist, Ernest Ambrose, couldn't mind his own damn business, Later writing in his biography that the family was, quote, very concerned that they had seen an apparition on several occasions, unquote. I mean, there's probably very little going on in Borley. Clearly, also the local organist. Who asked you to write a biography? Who asked? (laughs) Who asked you? I do appreciate. So, like, when I used to work at the bindery, there would be, like, a good, especially during, like, the... I was going to say during the pandemic, we're, we're still in the panini, but like towards the like middle of it, there was just a slew of old men who would come in and be like, I've written my family history with my own bio- biography at the end. And I'd be like, okay. Who asked for this? And they would always, always be like, if you ever, if you get the chance to, to read it, please let me know what you think. And I'm like, what do you think I do? Do you think I sit here and read everyone's books? I mean, I can read it. I get paid by the hour. Yeah. But it was just, I just found it so funny because they were always so, 
adamant that it was so important. And I get that, you know, it, family history can be really important, but I really don't need to know what your grandmother had for lunch on November 3rd, 1872. Like, I yeah. don't need to know that. Also, if your grandmother's that old, you must have been ancient. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wow. I was, I think those dates are in yeah. my brains. <laughs> there you go. And then we have a little quote from Time Magazine. Mm. Quote, Borley's haunts included a tall stranger in a top hat who <gasps> paid bedside calls on unsuspecting parlor maids, <clears throat> an aged family retainer long since dead, a lurking prowler who went without a hat and without a head as well, a phantom coach that rolled wildly through the front yard behind a brace of phantom horses. Ooh, I like that. That is an image I love. Unquote. I love that image. Also, retainer? I think maybe it means like land, like, oh, like Hagrid in... is the keeper of the keys. That yes. sort of vibes. I... I get. Okay. I don't know. I'm not English. That's fair. I just had in my brain an aged retainer, as in the retainer that I lost at Golden Corral when I was how old? Ten. Ah, oh, nice. I lost mine when I was twelve at McDonald's. Yep. Yeah. It was rainbow and very brightly colored. So how did I throw it away on mine my tray? Mine was rainbow too. It had sparkles in it. Oh wow. Well, it was because the Bone Shaman had one of his orthodontist friends make it for me. And they were like, what color do you want? And I was like, I don't care. You could make it all the colors. And they made it rainbow. And I was like, all right, yeah. this is fun. And they were like, you're a girl. You'll want sparkles. I didn't like the fact that it had sparkles. My next one was blue. Oh. Nice. Because I lost that one in Golden Crow. But that's what I, I, that's what I thought of when you were like an aged retainer. Just floating. Like just <laughs> an old retainer. Like a be giant. Like, you lost huge. me. Yeah. It's enormous. <laughs> You thought that you lost me. I never left. Your teeth hurt now. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of crooked, aren't they? So crooked. <laughs> like, your, I understand. Your teeth aren't bad. I... They're... <laughs> you look like a bulldog. <laughs> Everyone does... Whenever, whenever anyone does that, they always look like a bulldog, though. Oh. That's what I think of. Yeah, I know. It's... <laughs> We don't need to talk about this <laughs> so on the stupid. air. Like, I understand why we do orthodontics on children, because, like, their insides are squishier. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> More malle malleable. 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 <laughs> but we really Insides shouldn't. Because, like, after the orthodontics, when you move into the into the retainer stage, you're trusting all those thousands of dollars of work. To a teenager. Yeah, who's not going to wear it because they feel uncool. Well, like, I wore mine until I lost it, and then I don't know if we got it replaced. And then I had a bonded lower one, which is clearly, I mean, you guys can't see me make a bulldog face, but that's clearly the issue. And it popped out uh, when I was on the way to the mall to look for homecoming dresses junior year, maybe. Such an early 2000s thing. Oh, my God. And I was eating a piece of saltwater taffy. Girl. One of my friends had gone to, like, Ocean City or something over the summer. Sounds like a Sarah thing, yeah. And it popped out. And I didn't ever tell my mom because I thought she was going to be mad. She probably would have been. But not, like, in a like a angry way, but more of just, like, a, ugh. What were you doing? 
Unusual sightings continued across the property for the next four decades. In autumn 1927, a traveling carpenter, Fred Cartwright, saw the ghostly nun four times in two weeks. He was not local to the area, had never heard the Borley ghost stories, and on each occasion assumed the figure to be alive. I mean, if you didn't know anything about it, then of course you're going to assume it's real. Like that one episode of Supernatural where they like run into that woman on the highway and <gasps> she's she's yes. running away because she thinks she's being attacked, but then you find out that she she's, is a ghost. Yeah. Being attacked by another ghost, but like everyone involved is ghosts except yeah. the Winchesters. I lo- that's honest. I remember that episode. That was a good one. Someday we'll go back and we'll start. Now that's, that it's over. Yeah, that's our next podcast. <laughs> I've already brainstormed names for it. So that's true. Let you me have. know. The original Reverend Bull had died in 1892, and his son, the Reverend Henry, nicknamed Harry, Foister Bull, took over, leaving him the leaving him the bequest of these unusual happenings. I was feeling fancy last night. Obviously. I was like, did I write that? Mm -hmm. Chapter three. Changing of the guard. The Smiths. The next recipients of such paranormal riches were to be Reverend Guy Eric Smith and his wife. They never say her name. Just his wife. (laughs) Who moved into the rectory on October 2nd, 1928, over a year after the passing of the latter Reverend Bull. I feel like there's a lot. Mouth happening. Yeah. We need to just, we need to eat apples. Right, we just have a fruit bowl. Mm -hmm. Soon after moving in, Smith's wife, while cleaning out a cupboard, came across a brown paper package you were just about to sing. You were just about to sing it. These are a few of my favorite things. There's several bingo references for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I was reading ahead and I was like, oh, it's like... Brown the- paper packages tied up a string. Okay. Um, no. She came across a brown paper package, singular, containing the skull of a young woman. Ah. Which was quickly buried in the churchyard by her husband. <laughs> the only citation I could find for this was a, in a book that was not available on Google Books Preview, so I have no additional info, much to my dismay. That's, uh, what is the book called? I'll get it for you. I want to know. I didn't write it down. Oh, okay. Well, send me your notes. <laughs> I always do. Yeah. Alone in the house shortly after... Guy was crossing the landing outside the notoriously haunted Blue Room when he heard whispering, rising to form the audible, pleading words, Don't, Carlos, don't. Carlos. 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 Don't. Don't. No, wait, they're from Essex. Carlos. (laughs) Don't. Don't, Carlos. I feel like it's really hard for an Essex ghost to be scary. Don't, Carlos. Right? Don't. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. Well done. (laughs) Sorry. No, don't apologize. 
this is just proof we can never be on NPR. Oh, God, like, we, no. We are like, nope, sorry. We need multiple takes. Imagine being live on public radio. Could never. Oh, my gosh. Who would I, allow us? I think. A fool. It, I think if it did happen, they would instantly regret it and just mute us. They'd <laughs> be like, and due to technical difficulties. <laughs> no, sorry. We interrupt this broadcast due to technical difficulties. This podcast doesn't exist. We'll no longer be broadcasting on our network. Now, some nature sounds and Sanjay Gupta. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, okay. I feel like we need to name our NPR personas. Like, we have Brett and Chet. We I should thought that we did, because you were, like, Veronica. Oh, maybe. I don't know. And I was... Uh, like, I haven't listened to those I was, episodes yet. I was Sharon. Sharon. Sharon and... Welcome to the Sharon and Veronica show. <laughs> I can't. I'm bailing out of this bit. I'm, hit, I'm hitting the button. Man. The bailout button. <laughs> the floor opens. <laughs> Parkour. In the following time period, the family reported a variety of incidents, including the sounds of servant bells ringing, despite being disconnected. Ooh, do not like. Lights appearing in windows. They don't have electricity. And unexplained footsteps. In addition, Smith's wife believed she saw a horse-drawn carriage at night. The carriage was spotted or heard upon multiple occasions, but never at the same time. So when they heard the carriage, they, they didn't, didn't see anything. It. But when they saw the carriage, it was silent. And in some instances, it was being driven by a headless horseman. Why are they always headless? I don't know. I don't know. I like, I want to know what happens. I really don't. It seems pretty painful. And probably pretty self-explanatory. I lost my head. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? The Smiths, the family, not the band, <laughs> contacted the Daily Mirror asking to be put in touch with the Society for Psychical Research. I love it. S-P-R. I love it. PR. I also love the man who started it. This is a quote from Burials and Beyond, which is one of my sources. Nice. Naturally, when tabloids are contacted, issues arise concerning the individual's intent, desire for publicity, and the legitimacy of their claims. These issues of fame versus sincerity would similarly plague Borley throughout its years of infamy. Mm. Unquote. A reporter from the Daily Mirror named V.C. Wall was dispatched to the house on June 10th, 1929, where he penned the first of many articles that drew attention to the Borley Rectory. On his first night there, he and a photographer waited in the woods behind the rectory. They saw a light come on inside the empty house, but when one of them went to investigate, there was no light source inside, though the light remained visible to his comrade outside. Oh, that I don't know. Mm -mm. No, thank you. The paper also arranged for renowned paranormal researcher Harry Price to join in the investigation. He was sent for shortly after the reporter, arriving on June 12th. 
He's described by Time magazine as, quote, an affable hobbyist of independent means. <laughs> so wealthy and bored. What a dream. <laughs> His appearance brought forth phenomena of a new kind, such as the throwing of stones, a vase, and other objects, as well as keys flying inexplicably out of keyholes. Whoa. Just like... <laughs> I wonder if they were like, oh, this is, a this is the dude that we have to convince. <laughs> the ghosts were like, oh, oh, the pro is here? It's like theater people when they're like, there's a reviewer in the house tonight, like... <laughs> Be on your A-game. I really like the idea that they're all congregated in the attic and they're like, okay. The so <laughs> The nun is like, everybody calm down. And the man in the top hat is like, calm, I can't be calm. I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> I've been waiting for so, I've been waiting for so long. Carlos. <laughs> Carlos. It's not even an Essex accent, probably. I don't, I mean, sorry. you really came in strong, so I believed you. Oh, I'm All glad. I have is Essex. All I can think of, though, is, like, the only way is Essex, which is just, like, basically, they say a sentence, and they say only one real word in it, because the rest of it is just, like, like, you know, and I think, like, right, like, I don't, like, there's just, there's just so much about him that I, like, I love, but I just, I can't, like, I I'm don't, just, I don't I'm know. Just, I'm just picturing drag queens, because there's at least one on Drag Race UK. Yeah. That's that's like her her bit but i don't i don't know her name because i only saw parts of That's episodes okay. i will say i'm saying this publicly right now i am rooting for lady camden oh. on the current season of rupaul's drag race i think they're giving her the slow burn edit she hasn't won yet but i think her time is coming and i love her i'm sure Haley will agree with you or have something to say about it i hope so don't worry. We text. Great. We message. I'm glad. It's great. Back right, to the so ghosts. They're congregating in, in the attic to talk about how they can impress Harry Price. Allegedly. Allegedly. The reporter Wall and Price claimed to witness a red glass candlestick fly past their heads and shatter against an iron stove. Mm. The mirror reported. Like the newspaper. Yeah. Not, Not the man in the mirror. mirror. Spirit messages were also tapped out from the frame of an actual mirror. Don't ask me. I don't mm, know. No, that makes me think there's something in the mirror, and I don't like that. Mm. <laughs> I didn't like that either. Yeah. How does it feel? How does it feel? I'm, oh, wait. I'm sorry. What's my line? Oh, thank you, stage manager. I'm sorry. It's Okay. I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Good. <clears throat> of the experience, Price later wrote, quote, It was a day to be remembered even by an experienced investigator. 16 hours of thrills. Oh. Unquote. Oh. That's so cute. Also annoying because, okay, so this is in the UK. So all the articles about it, the dates are written in like UK format. And oh, I was so too lazy. I was too year. lazy to go back. So here you go. In the report of 17th June, 1929, the Daily Mirror reported that, quote, the rectory continues to receive the unwelcome attention of hundreds of curious people. And at night, the headlights of their cars may be seen for miles around. One 
enterprising firm even ran a motor coach to the rectory, inviting the public, quote, to come and see the Borley ghost, while cases of rowdyism were frequent, unquote. Rowdyism. 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 We're so offensive. I mean, I'm just being loud and obnoxious. I'm so sorry. You're being is so wait, genuine question, but yeah. also I'm trying to be funny, but I'm always trying to be funny. <laughs> is Essex like the Jersey Shore of England? Yes. You're not wrong. That is exactly it. Great. Yep. Perfect. Like truly the context. The TV show supplied. The Only Way is Essex, the way that they film it is almost exactly like Jersey Shore. Love it. See, we're not all so different, friends. No. We're, we all can find common ground. And it's in the spray tan booth. <laughs> These paranormal occurrences seemed to be enough to drive away the new rector and his wife. Oh. The Smiths left Borley on July 14th, 1929, and the parish had some difficulty in finding a replacement. <laughs> Duh. What are we on? Chapter four? Sure. Sure. The Foisters. The following year, the Reverend Lionel Algernon Foister, a first cousin of the Bulls, so like the oh, original family that yeah. built it, and his wife, Mary Ann. At least we know her name. Knee? Is that... N, nay, okay, nay, Mary Ann Emily Rebecca Shaw. <laughs> There's so many names. Also, the fact that she, I guess, when she got married, she decided Mary because it's two two words. Mary, Mary Ann Emily Rebecca decided. You know, I'm just gonna <laughs> Mary Ann. <laughs> I just. I really enjoy the fact that they're like, you know what? We have too many names we like. Let's just put them all in. Or like, we don't we don't want to offend any of the grandparents. That, yeah, ex that's probably exactly so it. So we're going to put both the grandmother's names in? Yeah. I looked out because both my grandmother's names, first name is Margaret. And that's, so that's yeah. my middle name. Neither of them go by that or went by that. Yeah, I don't think memes. Which is funny. Yeah. She goes by Marge. Marge. Marge Fletcher. Love her. Lionel and Marianne moved into the rectory with their adopted daughter, Adelaide, on October 16, 1930. The Reverend recorded all the unusual happenings that occurred within the home between the time the family moved in all the way to 1935. He then sent those records to Harry Price. So they're, the they're part of the collection that the Price estate has on the Borley house. I say that that's that's really smart because you know going in that this is like a haunted house. I would have been like, yeah, anything weird, I'm just going to blame it on the ghost and yeah. I'm going to write it down and that's it. Forget talking to your landlord about like a squeaky faucet or something. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely You're not. like, on this day, a candlestick yeeted itself off the mantle. <laughs> yes, that's what he wrote. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Uh, well, and apparently the only reason he was willing to move in is because he was a distant relative of the family. That's So they fair. were like, please, our legacy, our great-grandfather, whatever, whatever. And he yeah. was like, fine. fine. <laughs> sure Marianne loved that. Well, we're going to find out more about Miss Marianne Foister. 
And now we have a quote from the mother source. Wikipedia. These occurrences included bell ringing, windows shattering, throwing of stones and bottles, wall writing, and the locking of their daughter in a room with no key. <gasps> oh, gosh. No, thank you. They're poor kids. This is still a quote. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I've learned to give you space thank to exclaim. Thank you. I appreciate it. Numerous household items vanished, whilst objects which they did not own appeared from nowhere. I found something for you. I thought you'd like it. Here you go. Thanks, Top Hat Man. Marianne Foister reported to her husband a whole range of poltergeist phenomena that included her being thrown from her bed and being frequently attacked by an, quote, unseen agent. On one occasion, Adelaide, the three-year-old, was attacked by, quote, something horrible, waking up from an unseen slap to discover a red mark on her face. Oh, baby. Reverend Foister tried twice to conduct an exorcism, but his efforts were fruitless. In the middle of the first exorcism, he was struck in the shoulder by a fist-sized stone. Because of the publicity in the Daily Mirror, these incidents attracted the attention of several psychic researchers who, after investigation, were unanimous in suspecting that they were caused, consciously or unconsciously, by Marianne Foister. What? Unquote. What? Mm-hmm. That poor baby getting slapped in the face. It's Wake not up. funny. It's not. Wake up. It's not funny, but it's. I'm so sorry, baby. It's just fine. I mean, yeah, but like at three years old, waking up and being like, ah, they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah, fine. You're yeah, fine. Walk it off. Yeah, fine. Following a visit to Borley, professional medium Guy Lestrange wrote that, quote, later, being entertained by the rector and his wife, he heard for the first time of mysterious forms, male and female, being seen inside and outside the house, of lights in unoccupied rooms, of articles appearing and being thrown, of fires breaking out, mm -hmm. of mysterious whisperings and unexplained writings on walls and scraps of paper. Once, the rector told him, he was working alone in his study when he saw a pencil rise from the desk and scrawl words on the wall in front of him. No hand was visible. That's some Matilda stuff right there. It's true. Lestrange's claims, however, are regarded as false. <laughs> Considering that the reverend was meticulous in his accounts and never reported any such phenomena himself, and certainly no levitating pencils, the enduring image is one of wishful imagination on Guy's part. Why make it up? I just wanted to be a part of it, I'm sure. Yeah, like, with a name like psychic? Come on. Guy Lestrange. Like... The strange guy. Lestrange. Lestrange. Laganja Estrange. Speaking of drag queens. <laughs> yes, mama. Okay. Um, you'll understand that someday, sweetie. One day. When we get there in the One syllabus. Day. 
Marianne later said that she felt that some of the incidents were caused by her husband in concert with one of the psychic researchers, but other events appeared to her to be genuine paranormal phenomena. Mm. The Foisters left Borley in October 1935 as a result of Lionel Foister's ill health. Though I'm sure being psychologically and sometimes physically attacked in your home certainly didn't help. I'm sure that probably deteriorated his health. He was probably stressed out. Like, you know that those pictures of, like, Obama when he entered presidency and then when he left and yes. he looks like a completely different person? But then also when he, like, went on vacation yeah, after, after and then he came back looking... Like, right. Really like, he was rested. Like, he had re- regressed in age for, and, like, 20 and, years. And recharged. He looked like he had so much energy. He's like, oh, I have a soul again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that makes me... That's that's where I think poor Foister is at. Yeah. Not great. He had it foisted upon him. You're done. Chapter 5. The Price Residency. <laughs> For some time, new tenants for Borley House were hard to come by. Duh. Can't imagine why. In this economy, that would sell so quick. People right? would be like, ah, oh, a couple ghosts? That's it's haunted? Fine. That's fine. How much per month? Great. Great. Finally, in May 1937, paranormal investigator Harry Price returned to the site, taking out a year-long lease on the property for a grand total. Oh, God. Of 30 pounds for the 12-month residency. I broke out my you guys. (laughs) I just... I told you they were having a hard time. I... 30 pounds? Like, I know that it's like, what, 1940-something? No, it is 1937. 1937. I know that, like, 30 pounds then is very different than 30 pounds now, but, like... Also keep in mind... It's a large house. Yeah. Originally, it accommodated 14 children, yeah. but there's no electricity or running water. That's and fair. no one's been keeping it up. So nobody wants to buy That's it. Fair. And it's haunted. And they're kind of like, okay, we'll take 30 pounds. It's fair. I'm sure that covers like whatever tax they had to pay on it. I don't know. That's probably all they really, because they are not, they don't have any services to the house because they don't have electricity or running water. So they don't need anyone to come and like That's fair. upkeep anything. Yeah. Price would go on to publish two books about his experience and the haunted property. The first, in 1940, The Most Haunted House in England, Ten Years Investigation of Borley Rectory. And then in 1946, The End of Borley Rectory. And then we have a quote. (laughs) It's a quote that's not giving us any new information, but I just needed to share the joke. And I wanted to give credit where credit was due. So from Burials and Beyond, quote, In 1940, psychical investigator and ghost hunter Harry Price produced an account of his stays and studies at Bordley Rectory. The book was called The Most Haunted House in England. And for a time, the price was right. I, I, I want to applaud you. I want to shake your hand, and then I want to slap you across the face like a ghost did to two or three-year-old. I just... Well, you can take it up with them. It's in the show notes. I get Very well done, sirs and ma'ams, and non-binary thems. Yes. So, very well done. 
In an attempt to shore up the legitimacy of his investigation, Price sought to assemble a team of other researchers in order to distance his direct involvement with the venture. Which makes sense, right? Yeah, like that's if, actually really If you're smart. the only one doing the science, then people are going to be like, well, you could have made that up. But if you're like, I wasn't even there. That's a fairly scientific approach about it, too, is being like, hey, I want to make sure that there isn't something that I'm doing or I'm seeing yeah. that maybe isn't exactly what I'm thinking it is. Maybe it's like a weird pipe when the pump decides not to work or whatever that's making that noise that I think is a knock three times, then therefore is the devil. Like... You know, I want to make sure that somebody else gets a chance to confirm or deny what I have heard, seen, or felt. I get it. And I'm very proud of him for doing it and not being all Zach Bagans about it. Yeah. I was going to be like, it's the Tanya Harding approach. I didn't hit her. I was was hit there. Anyway. Okay, I already read that. I was like, why does that look familiar? I need to see. Oh, you do? Yeah. Uh, We know. That I love mm-hmm. Sebastian Sands yep. so much. He's such a good actor. Because he's disgusting in that movie? He's awful. Yeah. Yeah. They're all, and Margot Robbie, Allison Janney, ugh, iconic. Anyway, yeah, you need to watch it. Okay. On May 25th, 1937, Price ran the following advertisement in the personal column of The Times, requesting applications from interested persons. Quote, Haunted house. Responsible persons of leisure and intelligence. Intrepid, critical, and unbiased are invited to join rota of observers in a year's night and day investigation of alleged haunted house in home counties. Printed instructions supplied. Scientific training or ability to operate simple instruments an advantage. House situated in Lonely Hamlet, so own car is essential. I really like that it basically says old, white, rich, please and thank you. (laughs) And you have your own car. And you have your own car. Hilarious. I love it. You would totally apply. Uh, Yeah, I've got my own car. I'm a person of leisure. I can work with, I can work from home. You're like, I can use simple instruments. I can use a blender. I can follow supplied instructions. For the most part, yes. Yes, I can. Well, actually, I take that back. (laughs) Emma is a throw it, throw the box in the recycling and wing it. Y'all, I, Shannon bought me some super glue and then got mad what not mad she she got confused when i threw away the instructions for super glue okay first of all <laughs> if it had just been exclusively your super glue that would have i still would have been like mm, not the choice i would have made but that's fine but no i bought a two pack purposely cuz i needed some and emma needed that's some that's fair and I'm a it nice was also wife, your instructions and i brought some for her i assume nice you're right I assumed that you and wouldn't need the instructions. And it's not that I needed instructions of like, how does super glue work? <laughs> I just was concerned. Like, is there an ideal time that I'm supposed to hold it together? Am I supposed to leave it alone for a certain amount of time? What happens if I glue my fingers together? And guess where I found all that information? On the instructions. Can y'all guess what number Shannon is on the Enneagram? We've already talked about it on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, she's a freaking one. 
<laughs> What's up? Guess which one I am. The most chaotic. <laughs> I'm a four. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm not scared of real life ghosts. Because I already have a chaos demon as Hi, my best friend. It's me. Yeah, I feel like if I did take you into a potentially haunted house, our combined skepticism would keep them at bay. Do you it disagree? Would, uh, I, I, I would need um, more context because I think if we went in like the daytime, fine. Yeah, no, I'm not saying the nighttime. Day- no, thank you. No. I mean, have you seen BuzzFeed Unsolved, like, throwing Ryan Begara into a uh, dark room by himself with an EVP? Like, no. Like, no. I would, that is who I would be. I would Regardless say, of me being Shane most of the I time, would I would be out. Ryan Begara. I'd be like, no, I heard a sound. I'm done. I'm done. Someone I, come get me. Please. I heard a sound. I brushed against the wall. I don't like it. I There's, need to leave. No. 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 Absolutely not. Nope. But uh, anyway, some people did choose to apply. Of course. With, a, with an ad like that, why not? Through the Times advertisement and subsequent personal interviews, Price recruited a core of 48 official observers. That was their title. Mm. Mostly students whose backgrounds included engineering, the armed forces, the civil service, and the medical profession who spent periods, mainly during weekends, at the rectory with instructions to report any phenomena that occurred. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. And now I'm going to share some quotes from the Harry Price website, hmm. which I think is just some guy running it out of his basement. Does it look like it's from 1993? A little bit, yes. And... When you try to right-click on the photos, there's a pop-up that says, if you are interested in using any images from this site, please contact me. Wow. (laughs) To which I was like, buddy, this is not the original image, and I already found the original image, so what are you doing? But anyway. Quote, A typical period of duty as an official observer at the rectory involved taking regular tours of the building and its grounds during the course of each day and night, as well as watching and listening for any unusual activity at particular prescribed periods. Price requested that an observer take up position in the large summer house adjacent to the lawn for a full half hour before and a half hour after dusk, in order to watch the part of the garden known as the Nun's Walk, where the apparition of a robed figure had been seen by members of the Bull family over the years. Another stipulated session was to sit in the blue room on the first floor in complete darkness for one whole hour. Price had held an an impromptu seance in this room, in which the Reverend Harry Bull had died in 1927 Mm. during his first visit to the rectory in 1929, and it was regarded as a particularly haunted room. Once each observational period was over, each of the observers was required to write a report of their visit to the rectory and submit it to Price at the Berkeley Street offices of the University of London Council for Psychical Investigation, unquote. What an internship. Right? I love it. They're like, free board. Yeah. You can stay there. You're not going to catch me sleeping there. Are you joking? 
But also I like I like the idea that there's like a distant scream in the house and they just like lick their pencil and write something down. They're like, all, all right, right, at 9.37 and check your watch. Yeah. All right. Well, How long is it lasting? It's like two minutes. Are you done? My gosh. You got some lungs. Well, I guess you're dead, so you don't really need air, do you? All right. <laughs> Well, like, and the the source went on to say that some of the reports were very just, like, matter of fact, like, walked the circuit at this time, moved to this room at this time, and then others were, like, a minute-by-minute account. And I was like, wow, (laughs) some of you were very much, like, Hermione Granger, and some of you were Ron Weasley. Like, here's a piece of paper. Here. I wrote my name on it. (laughs) Yeah, right. You're welcome. Uh, Ron had other qualities. Yeah. We're not here to hate on Ron. He was he was the most loyal of friends. Except for that time he left them in the woods. But he was... He ha- was going through some stuff. There was a horcrux, there which was a I lot think is like on. a good metaphor for like mental health challenges and like people were dying. It was a lot. Yeah. He needed right. a minute to himself. Yeah. But then he regretted it. Mm-mm. But anyway. Um, great. And then these next events are pretty uh sort of paraphrase slash copied from wikipedia ding in march 1938 helen glanville the daughter of one of price's helpers conducted a planchette seance in stratham in south london don't know why she did it there and not at the house yeah that makes it a little, but maybe difficult. she didn't want to maybe she didn't have her own car well and it might have also been a like maybe her father brought something back maybe and he was like i'm feeling weird about this and she was like you know what we can do we can seance it up diddy exactly like that too <laughs> i don't know why i said it like that i don't like yeah. saying the word daddy diddy price reported that she made contact with two spirits, mm-hmm. the first of which was that of a young nun who identified herself as Marie Larie. Marie Marie? Larie. Larie. L-A-I-R-R-E. Got I it. am doing my best. No, I, I, just mis- I just misheard you. I thought you said Marie. Marie Marie. Marie. <laughs> According to the Planchette story, Marie was a French nun who left her religious order and traveled to England to marry a member of the Waldgrave family, the owners of Borley's 17th century manor house, Borley Hall. Mm. She was said to have been murdered in an older building on the site of the rectory and her body either buried in the cellar or thrown into the disused well. So there were potentially two different nuns, if the stories can be believed yeah wow the wall writings remember there were wall writings were alleged to be her pleas for help and for quote rest one read quote marianne oh please help me get out oh what it's supposed to be spooky i'm sorry that's just sad oh poor baby that's just (laughs) it's like you remember the the gigantic cat from Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just, the murder cat. Yeah, the murder cat. Like, baby. But, like, it's that's just White sad. woman. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I am who I am, and I can't change I, it. I, for the record, if something starts writing on the walls to you, do not call me over to be like, oh, look at this 
thing that happened. No. No, I'll just send a picture to you. I I'll don't want a, that image on my phone. I'll take a picture of it. It might. It, it'll probably end up deleting itself from your phone anyway. Oh, my God. I don't like it. <laughs> Anywho's. I'm not showing you any of the pictures that I take of the writings on the wall that I find in my house. How about that? Okay, good. The second spirit to be contacted identified himself as Sunex Amiris. Carlos? Maybe. <laughs> and claimed... That he, anyway, however you pronounce his name, he claimed that he would set fire to the rectory at 9 o'clock that night, 27 March, 1938. Why? What do you got, buddy? I don't know. He also said that at that time, the bones of a murdered person would be revealed. Ah! Perhaps spirits have a warped sense of time but he wasn't totally wrong uh um? chapter five downfall you... and destruction i do like that you label them but you don't number them <laughs> look <laughs> i don't go in funny. i don't go in with the intention but then when i did like chapter two i was like well now no, i have to I have do to it all it's like when you write an essay in high school and they're like you aren't allowed to introduce a paragraph as like firstly secondly lastly unless you do it for all of them mm-hmm. anyway downfall and destruction the evening of february 27th 1939 so one year later uh would see the rectory in flames the new owner of the rectory, Captain W.H. Gregson, was supposedly unpacking boxes and accidentally knocked over an oil lamp in the hallway. Because remember, it still doesn't have electricity. That's so upsetting, though, to be, like, unpacking boxes in your new house. <laughs> the fire quickly spread, and the house was severely damaged. After investigating the cause of the blaze, the insurance company concluded that the fire seemed to have been started deliberately. After buying the property for just 500 pounds, Gregson had had it insured for 10,000 pounds. Oh, dude, you and just... Ye- <laughs> Sorry. And years later, his son, Anthony, stated that the captain had started the fire himself. It just, you're, leaving your, you're leaving breadcrumbs, buddy. At least it wasn't your wife. Right. A Miss Williams from nearby Borley Lodge said she saw the figure of the ghostly nun in the upstairs window, so perhaps she had something to do with it. Except Mm. not, because he said it on purpose, but that's fine. But, I mean, maybe he was convinced to do it. Maybe. Or prodded, or, you know, some Possessed. Harry Price clearly had not forgotten about the trapped spirit from the 1938 seance. After revisiting more of Marianne's wall writings, Price believed that the message read, quote, the well tank bottom me, or the well tank bothers me. Price was sure that the body of the nun whose restless spirit plagued the house would at last be found. In August 1943, he conducted a brief dig in the cellars of the ruined house and discovered two bones thought to be of a young woman. 
The bones were given a Christian burial in Liston Churchyard after the parish of Borley refused to allow the ceremony to take place on account of the local opinion that the bones found were those of a pig. Okay, I kind of get that, but also, like, it's bones in the ground. It's bones in the ground. And what about that head that got buried? If they found a head... They should put the book. Sorry. I just. I get that it's sacred ground for some. But it's ground. This is why I want to be a vase. So that no one can be angry at where my body goes. We've been over this. I'm not re. I'm not unpacking this again. I'm not unpacking your dead vase body out of a box. No. You just stuff it full of paper and. Put some saran wrap and, and bubble wrap around me and I'll be fine. Tell that to your children. Okay. Imagine they're going to have so much, they're going to need so much therapy. I mean, that was already a guarantee, so. Well, yeah, but like worse. Well, I'm not going to traumatize them on purpose. You are, though. You don't they want will... them to know that you are the base. I, you, you're going to end when up. When they're a, adults. Hopefully you, I don't die when they're kids. You're going to end up at a Goodwill. Honestly, because nobody will I think know. I'd like that. <laughs> and then you're some some, some, some poor Gen whatever, whatever comes after Z and X and whatever. And they do that chalk like paint inside of my inside Stop of my vase. We're self. not. I'm no. I would be living a wonderful afterlife. I think <laughs> with the rectory now just a shell. <laughs> the haunting continued. It's like this conversation. It's haunting <laughs> me while I'm alive. You're welcome. While you're alive. Mm-hmm. A chauffeur heard the invisible phantom coach hurtling by him, and a Charles Brown and his friends one night saw a girl in white looking through the burned-out window of the blue room upstairs. She was standing on empty air. Army officers who tried to use the site during the war had stones thrown at them and found the general atmosphere so negative that they did not stay. Wow. And that's negative in World War II. Yeah, that was my next thought. Oh, my gosh. From 1947 to 1950, James and Alice Turner occupied the surviving cottage. Because there's a cottage. Yeah. Attach. I feel like every old building in England was actually a compound of like five different buildings. Right. On hot summer days, they would hear the voices and laughter of children from the orchard. And on one occasion, the sound of heavy footsteps as though someone was walking on bare boards. The damaged ruins of the house were demolished in 1944, a low priority with materials and labor focused on the war effort. That's fair. Price and several of his associates were actually able to attend the demolition, photographing the events from a safe distance away. Aww. After developing the photographs, one in particular caught Price's eye. One... <laughs> I'm such a skeptic, I can't. One photograph showing a brick in midair was placed center stage, inferring that the brick was levitating rather than falling price was able to publish one final piece of proof 
about the inherent darkness of Borley. Meanwhile, he just, like, off to the side was like, quit, chuck it. <laughs> and had one of his friends throw it. And he's like, yeah! No, it's like the workman had thrown it. Oh, and they just happened fair. to, like, click the, <laughs> the shutter. shutter. Anyway, that's in the show notes. So you can see the levitating brick I thought yourself. there was going to be, like, a figure or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. That's, this isn't the Winchester house. Sorry. No. And now for the next chapter. Busted! So that story about the monk and the nun, yeah, that wasn't real. Oh. Apparently, it was officially disproven back in 1938. Everybody said that. Nobody told me how or where to learn more about it. But 1938, they were like, nah, that's not real. I'm sure it's in one of Harry Price's books. But he wouldn't have wanted to disprove it. I mean, he may have, though. All right, maybe. I'm not reading his books. I, I will. Okay. I'll let you know. It's likely that the children of the Bull family simply made it up, inspired by the Gothic architecture of their large home. The story of the walling up of the nun may have come from Ryder Haggard's 1893 novel, Montezuma's Jotter, or Walter Scott's epic poem, Marmion, from 1808. Mrs. Smith, remember, we don't know what her name is she's just the wife so mrs smith later claimed that she already suspected that harry price an expert conjurer was to blame for the influx of new paranormal phenomena that flooded her home oh but it's true he showed up and way more stuff started happening yeah but like why call him i guess they didn't she didn't call specifically for him they wrote to the newspaper that's right Asking for someone from the Society of Psychical Research. And they got the guy who started it all. Yeah. Remember how Marianne Foister claimed to be thrown out of bed and attacked by a poltergeist of some kind? Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. She later admitted that she was having a sexual relationship with one of the lodgers, Frank peerless and that she used paranormal explanations to cover up her liaisons Ah, woman okay but i'm not saying it i'm not approving but imagine you go back downstairs your reverend husband is like what was that shriek and that loud thumping you're like a ghost (laughs) i mean he he, they had already gone to the house thinking that it was haunted so like just play into it loud thumping. what are that there's scratches on you why go poltergeist <laughs> so that happened and then here's another quote from burials and beyond i like these people the story of borley already had sensation and death to add sex into the reports was to etch the family into the history books as the ghostly scandal gripped the nation oh these are such good writing yeah good job And as for those wall writings, Marianne and Lionel's toddler was noted to be, in the words of Andrew Clark in his essay, No Hand Was Visible, quote, an inveterate scribbler. Oh, wait, who slapped the kid? I don't know. (laughs) They might have just made it up. That's fair. But like, poor baby. And being like, I'm going to write on the wall. A ghost. <laughs> a ghost. It's like when Liam. When you would like blame your imaginary friends. Yeah. Well, Liam blamed me because he like wrote on the wall. 
I know you know this story. No, you're like, I'm like eight years older than you, dude. <laughs> yeah, but he wrote on the wall in pen, and because he was just learning how to spell, he wrote my name, but wrote the E backwards and the A backwards, because he was still, like, figuring it out. Right. And my mom was like, Liam, why did you write on the wall? And he was like, I didn't. Emma did. Look, she even wrote her name. <laughs> oh, Liam. Buddy. Uh, well, I didn't get in trouble, so, but he tried. He Valiant effort, buddy. He tried. Valiant Not effort. Not a great alibi, though. No. <laughs> and continuing the trend of busted, we're going to talk about the Society for Psychical Research <coughs> and their investigation. At the time of his death in 1948, Price was working on a third book, which was intended to bring his involvement with Borley to a close. Upon his passing, the SPR launched an investigation into his works regarding Borley House, prompted by the accusations of Daily Mail reporter Charles Sutton. Sutton claimed that whilst visiting the rectory with Price in 1929, he was hit on the head by a large pebble. Sutton stated that he seized Price and found his coat pockets filled with different sized stones. Buddy... I vouched for you in the beginning. I was here saying, yeah, you know what? You're doing really good. You're trying to be scientific about it, bringing everybody else. You fill your pockets full of stones. Man, I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Eric Dingwall. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Saw that coming. (laughs) Sorry. I shouldn't laugh at anyone's name. It's not nice. But that is... Quite the name. Uh, So Eric, K.M. Goldney, and Trevor H. Hall, three members of the SPR, two of whom had been Price's most loyal associates. 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 George Mallory. Him. Anyway, the three of them spearheaded the investigation. Their findings were published in a 1956 book titled The Haunting of Borley Rectory. Very good. Very explicit. Which concluded that Price had fraudulently produced some of the phenomena. Mm. And then this is paraphrased from Wikipedia. The Borley Report, as the SPR study has become known, stated that many of the phenomena were either faked or due to natural causes such as rats and the strange acoustics attributed to the odd shape of the house. Oh. In their conclusion... Dingwall, Goldney, and Hall wrote, quote, When analyzed, the evidence for haunting and poltergeist activity for each and every period appears to diminish in force and finally to vanish away, unquote. Terence Hines wrote that, quote, Mrs. Marianne Foister, wife of the Reverend Lionel Foister, who lived at the rectory from 1930 to 1935, was actively engaged in fraudulently creating haunted phenomena. Price himself, quote, salted the mine and faked several phenomena while he was at the rectory. He admitted it? Buddy man. Well, he didn't. No, that was all a quote. Oh. Hines wrote all of that about him. So they're all saying that he faked stuff. Oh, I see. I thought you had said that Price admitted. No. Okay. Got it. Hines is saying Price himself salted the mine. Got it. 
as opposed to Marianne doing it. Got it. End of end quotes. Okay. Marianne Foister later admitted that the spooky occurrences during her time in the house were either caused naturally, i.e. the wind, or by herself or guests she'd encouraged to help her play pranks on her husband. Also to cover up her affair. Boinkin'. I just wanted to say it once. I'm sorry. I don't know why my brain, my brain was like, say it. Say boink. Say it. Bop it. Twist, Twist it. it. Pull, pull it. it. Boink it. The children of Reverend Harry Bull, who lived in the house before Lionel Foister, so not the first original family, yeah. but the second. The son. The second generation of bulls, uh, claimed to have seen nothing and were surprised that they had been living in what was described as England's most haunted house. Oh. They were like, <laughs> wait, oh, what? Our, our childhood was pretty chill. We liked it. And this is a quote from Wikipedia. Quote, Robert Hastings was one of the few SPR researchers to defend Price. Price's literary executor, Paul Tabori and Peter Underwood, have also defended Price against accusations of fraud. A similar approach was made by Ivan Banks in 1996. Michael Coleman, in an SPR report in 1997, wrote that Price's defenders were unable to rebut the criticisms convincingly, unquote. Mm. Even Sir Ernest Jelf, senior master of His Majesty's Supreme Court, examined Price's evidence and confessed himself, quote, at a loss to understand what cross-examination could possibly shake it. Uh, I'm just picturing a judge in one of those wigs because that's what they yeah, still no, wear in England. Definitely, yes imagine yes well so our friend tom not the crypt king but the one who theme lovingly song, made our theme song um is a lawyer in in england and has to wear those wigs when he goes into court <laughs> amazing wow yeah. we all contain yeah. multitudes wow his, his first day um he took a picture and sent it to the whatsapp with mm-hmm. all of uh, James's friends. Um, and it was just, it's it's just great. It's a mirror selfie of him in his robe and wig. And it's just like, everything looks like so disoriented. Because it's like, you're an wearing, iPhone. Yeah, but... an iPhone, but like a wig and robe. Wow. <laughs> it's, just, it's great. We love that. For the you barristers. Look, you look good in it. The barrister Tom. Also, shout out to all the Toms. We, I, we have we so apparently many of you. We're collecting them. are really great. If you don't know us in real life, but your name is Tom, please write into the podcast please. so we can we just know, know how many we have. Because currently we're at three. Yeah. Because one of them, I was going to say, but we have another. But no, it's Tom King, the archaeologist, who we don't know. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, well, it's like, so this is a tangent. Sorry. Mm, it's okay. Are you, do you know Amazing Phil on YouTube? No. Okay. He and his best friend Dan Dan oh, Howe Dan and Phil yeah. yes <laughs> as a unit that is the only way I recognize so him. amazing Phil is his um yeah. username but Phil Lester is his name uh there is also a scientist who works with honeybees called Dr. Phil Lester and so Phil the YouTuber most recently did a video where he was like 
I had my viewers pick out my birthday presents. Basically, like, tweet they tweeted at him, and then Dan went and, like, bought some of the stuff. Oh, that's cute. And someone bought him the B book that the other Phil Lester had written. Oh, that's so good! So, like, related to that, I'm like, if archaeologist Tom King were to, like, listen to our episode about Amelia Earhart or something, the world would just, like, explode into rainbows or something It cool. definitely would. I would be, I would be so elated. Yeah. I don't think I'd know what to do with myself. We would, uh, we'd have to, I, oh my gosh, we'd have to like print it out and frame it if it was like a tweet or something. Why don't we follow him on, tw- we, I need to find him and see if he has a Twitter and that, I'm going to follow him on Twitter. That's the only account that our, only the podcast that follows. Follow. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to go find him on Twitter. Perfect. Um, I found a, an image of him on Instagram and I sent it to the Crypt King to be like, look, it's you. <laughs> And he was he said something back like uh what a what a great guy or something yeah. like that like oh the best <laughs> like hilarious okay we're we're almost there friends we're we're in the home stretch you need to put that on the bingo card <laughs> what we're almost there we're in the home stretch <laughs> do i say that a lot yeah. oh all right That'll be uh, Christmas. Yeah, when's Christmas it, I'm like, when's the next card. time we're going to update it? I don't know. More people have to play it. If people don't play it, we won't update it. Oh, that's fair. So challenge, presented, gauntlet, thrown, homestretch. We're in it. A BBC broadcast was scheduled for September 1956 that meant to disclose some of the findings from the Borley Report. It was abandoned due to fears in the legal department that Marianne Foister, who was almost certainly responsible for the more spectacular haunting, could easily sue the BBC for what was said about her in the broadcast. Oh. Because I guess at that point she hadn't come forward and said that she was faking things. It could be defamation Mm -hmm. of character. A recovered copy of the transcript can be found in the show notes. If anyone is interested. So they have basically the script for the 1956 broadcast that never happened. The broadcast that, that doesn't exist. exist. I love that. And finally, our final chapter, pop culture. During its time, Borley House and its spiritual inhabitants caused quite the stir. George Bernard Shaw, T.E. Lawrence... Sir Montague Norman, Governor of the Bank of England, and Bernard Spilsbury, the Home Office criminal forensic scientist, were firm believers in the hauntings and attended seances at Borley. Spilsbury? Spilsbury. <laughs> so just imagine George Bernard Shaw, Pygmalion. Yeah. He's at a seance. Everyone, we out. all contain multitudes. I mean, Arthur Conan Doyle was, like, obsessed with oh, the paranormal. Know. So We like... listened to the Agatha Christie episode. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, mm-hmm. go do that. Mm-hmm. Harry Price's investigation of Borley was the subject of a 2013 best-selling novel by Neil Spring titled The Ghost Hunters. Aw. This novel was subsequently adapted for television as Harry Price ghost hunter <laughs> starring <laughs> starring rafe spall oh kara theobald and richie campbell rafe spall is uh the guy who plays the mouse 
the rat in Harry Potter. Peter Pettigrew. Yes, and now that I am saying that, no, it's his son. All Rafe, right. Rafe Spall is his son. Cool. Because Timothy Spall is the guy who plays the Peter Pettigrew. Well done. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. In 2017, the partially animated film Borley Rectory, The Most Haunted House in England, was released. Partially animated? Yeah, I don't know. It was written and directed by Ashley Thorpe and starred Reese Shearsmith and Jonathan Rigby. It just, when you say partially animated, it makes me think of like every Muppet movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That would be so good. I want the Muppets scared. Sorry. Continue. In 2021, the feature film, The Ghosts of Borley Rectory, was released. It was written and directed by Stephen M. Smith and starred Julian Sands, Toya Wilcox, Colin Baker, and Christopher Ellison. So, is that the end? Perhaps. But perhaps not. During a 1961 investigation, quote, battery torches and car headlamps, how, how quaint in English, love that for you, all failed without obvious cause. And as recently as 2000, Colin Wilson spoke to a television crew, which had, quote, recorded hollow footsteps, the creaking of a door that no longer exists, and a deep sigh that impressed everyone who heard it as profoundly unhappy. <laughs> Oh, that's sad. (laughs) And then we're gonna we're gonna end with a quote Mm. from I think the most reliable source of this entire thing. According to Russell Old, founder of the Essex Ghost Hunters, the spirits are still very much a presence in Borley. Quote, we have been to Borley so many times. We go back. We go around the back of the church and we film there. Every single time, our video recording has failed. We did a really good investigation not that long ago, and we had all our equipment going off, and we were telling the spirit to turn the light red to say yes and orange for no. It was answering all our questions, and then we go back home to edit the footage. And it's all corrupt. We have had stones thrown at us in the car park. We were stood there. And these pebbles strike up against the driveway. (laughs) I can't. We were stood there. And these pebbles strike up the driveway. And you are standing there hearing them as they drop and roll. End quote. I I really want to believe that Harry Price went back to haunt Borley Rectory after his death and is the one throwing pebbles now. It's like, see, it is haunted. It's me. <laughs> it is I'm haunted. I swear. One. How awkward, though. He walks it. Well, the attic doesn't exist anymore, but oh, he, like, fair. he, like, enters into, like, the grounds and he's like, hello. And all the ghosts just, like, turn and they're like, mm-hmm. We were already doing plenty we well were doing without enough. you we did not need your help you made it worse and you made people think we were fake and now no one believes in us and so we had to set fire to the building but yeah that's that's the end 
Very well done. That's one of my favorite. Thanks very much. You're welcome. That was Irish, not Essex, but That's whatever. Fine. I don't know what I'm doing. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yay! That was really good. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you for doing a spooky one for me. You I appreciate it. it. You got it. I've, I've realized while I was doing the research, I was like, I, despite the fact that I freak out when you do these episodes at me, when I am researching them, I am too skeptical. Like, I want to freak you out too, but I just, because I'm skeptical, I can't like present it in a spooky way because I'm like, well, this is pretty. You know what I mean? I wonder what it is because I'm pretty, I mean, I don't believe in ghosts. I'm pretty skeptical about all of it in general so like yeah i don't know the fact that i'm able to do that to you i don't know what it is it, I, it honestly might be the fact that you just don't know about the thing that we're talking about yeah the, the fear of the unknown yeah so it might just be that because i don't think i do anything majorly different yeah so well speaking of the unknown emma what is it well it's time for our new segment <gasps> Alright, friends. We're back with another Haley story. Currently, this segment, <laughs> this is just... mailbag moment, is just Haley. The Le- LeBron Library. <laughs> oh, I like that. Because you could basically make their name, th- their last name, like, Lebret. No, I can't. There's an end. <laughs> it's not, not going to work. <laughs> Library. Librinry. Libinry. No, we're done. Okay. Right. What did Haley have to say? Well, the subject line is just write-ins. At this point, I think Haley is just like... Off the top of the head. You're going to read this regardless. This is at least a month after the last one, yes, though. Yes, it is. It's May 2021. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Just two minutes ago. It's fine. Yeah. They write. The weirdest thing I found in the woods... Was it must a- have been after the staircase episode. Uh, it must have been. Was a black suitcase. Was a black suitcase in the middle of Sweetbriar Forest. Stop it right now. <laughs> it was filled with leaves. Okay. Had a bad energy surrounding it, so I dared not touch it. Good, good plan, Haley. I'm very proud of you. I was also lost in the woods when I found it, so that death wasn't a good sign. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you didn't take a spiritual detour because then maybe you wouldn't have come back imagine grabbing that suitcase and then like walking back out into like 1948 i mean okay that would be kind of cool but only if it was like a fun time travel not a scary one yeah because i love like i see photos of old sweetbriar and i'm like man i would love to just like not even oh i want to live there like i just want to like walk through and people can't see me. I want to yeah. like um I want to like be George Bailey <laughs> in, yeah. in, in It's like, a Wonderful Life. Like yeah. I want to just observe and hear and see what everyone's wearing and like what did the dorms look like? Like cuz I feel like we see 
you know, sepia-toned photographs, and we think everyone was very, like, prim and proper. But, yeah, in, like, the 1930s, girls were still, like, doing silly stuff in their dorm rooms and, like, giggling about... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to... No, I love that. I just want to do that. And, like, our room in Carson that had the fireplace... Yeah, it was like a sitting room. Yeah, with two, with two bedrooms rooms. off the side that they forced four people to live in. Like, come on, you guys. Yeah, look. I, yeah. It's fine. We made it work. Anyway, this is a second story that is in this email. Okay, great. No follow-up on the suitcase. Nope, great. none. In middle school, I walked to school with my friends, so I guess I missed out on the dramatic bus moment. We must have talked about buses. Looking out the window with your Walkman. Oh, that's right. With my yellow Walkman. And nobody ever wrote in and told me what their album was. Like oh, their bus yeah. album. Their bus album. Gwen Stefani. Silly Songs with Larry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also the Anastasia soundtrack. Which, you know. I, at first, I think that tells you all you need to know yeah, about me. Genuinely. But I at first heard that as the Anesthesia soundtrack. <laughs> and I want to know what that sounds like. I mean. <laughs> I love that. Y'all have to ask the Bone Shaman. That's the only time I've been under anesthesia. That's fair. Though, we would play music out loud as we walked. A popular song in my friend group was Find Your Love by Drake. We even had a choreography for it. So there was Perfect. an answer. They did answer for you that okay, question. Good. I did ride the bus to school some days in high school when I didn't have morning marching band rehearsal. Amazing. And I would listen to Panic at the Disco or Wicked. If yes. I, I wasn't listening to music, it was probably reading Alphaba Galinda fanfic. Haley. Love you, ya. You, I love you. I love, I love you, you Haley. And this is why we're friends. Although... We separately, like, out of the group chat, have acknowledged that, that like, we've never, we've never hung out. We've never met in person. I mean, you haven't. I've met Haley, but oh, I, I didn't we, know that. we never, I like, hung out. But, oh, yeah. because what what had happened was. What had happened was. They had posted a memory on their Snapchat of Shudder. <gasps> and I freaked out for a second because I thought that they were, like, on the east coast at Sweetbriar and I was going to be like where are you flying out when yeah. we will drive down and they were like oh I didn't realize it didn't like post the date like that it didn't say like from my memories but then they were like yeah the next time I'm on the east coast we are getting together we are hanging out we are gonna get drinks and I was like yes Emma would be we're so ready. I'd be so elated. Also that was the end of the email. Thanks for writing in Haley, and thanks to everyone who listens. Other people did write in. We will yes. get to those messages. Thank you, Christian. I'm so excited to read your PDF. <laughs> Literally saw the subject line and was like, oh, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So just, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for writing in. Thanks for sharing the show, please. Please. Please and thank you. We love you regardless, but just, you know, let us know if you're out there. We like knowing you, if you guys are listening yeah. to us. Don't be a ghost. <gasps> don't or do haunt. be a ghost and, like, knock on our door by DMing us or whatever. Hey. <laughs> yeah, don't knock on my real door, please, and thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yesterday? Not yesterday. Everything happened yesterday, apparently, to me. Yesterday when we graduated from college? <laughs> yesterday? At some point this week, because I dropped off cookies to my new neighbors, and one of them across the street came over and like knocked on the door and I was sitting on the couch and I was like, I do not answer doors. 
I do not answer doors. And they were really insistent because they knew that we were home. And so they were like, oh, they must not be able to hear me. Uh-huh. And so they just knocked even louder. And I was like, mm, I do not answer doors. So I texted James and I was like, are you back in the backyard? Like, is that you knocking on the door? And he was like, what? No. And I was like, okay, there's someone at the door and I'm not answering Emma, it. <laughs> that is not how you be neighborly. It scared me. I was like, someone is you, so insistent. Don't you have a peephole? I didn't get up. I was like, I am not answering this door. You cannot see me through the window. I am not answering this door. Wow. <laughs> Don't wow. answer doors. I do not answer my door. I won't get murdered by someone answering the door. Who are you, Tony Stark? You're like, oh, I don't. I don't don't, answer the door. People don't hand me things. Penny's the butler. Penny answers the door. Oh, my God. Terrifying. (laughs) All right. Well, don't be be a a stranger. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was going to try and segue that, but I don't know what I'm doing. So just remember. This podcast doesn't exist. Carlos No Carlos I thought you said call us I was like we don't have a phone